This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A one, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hi, guys. I'm Amy Wright. Today, you're going to hear an in-depth interview between myself and Nashville via London emerging blues and roots music duo, Ida May. Chris Turpin and Stephanie Jean comprise this soulful husband and wife act, which just released its sophomore LP, Click Click Domino via 30 Tigers. Whether they're performing an intimate set in the English countryside or an amped up big stage show opening for Greta Van Fleet, which they have indeed done, this duo's obvious energy connects with people of all ages and simply digs in until you're hooked. I certainly am, and even more so after getting to know them better in this chat, which I'm delighted to share with you right now. Without further ado, here's me and Ida May. Welcome, Chris and Steph. Thank you. Well, hi, thank Thanks you for, for having, having us, us again. Yeah, from across the pond at this point, right? <laughs> at this stage. Very away. large pond at that, you know. Yes. <laughs> a little bit further away. So where are y'all right now in England? So at the moment, we're in West Sussex. We're in Sussex. So in the yes. south of England. Uh, we came back, what, four, five months ago, something like that? Yes. Just when we thought, hang on a minute, it's going to be a little while. So the festivals, you know, everything had been moved. So we thought, let's go home. Come and home, see family. We hadn't been home for a very long time. So, yes, years. We came pretty home. Much. Yeah. I've talked so, to people yeah. who've said it's been a bit of a blessing in disguise because uh, you wouldn't, you were kind of forced to take time off on a certain level and regroup. And so maybe creatively you find some space and then also being able to hang out with family that you haven't seen for a while. Yeah, that has yeah. been, it's been a mixture of um, emotions, I think, for everyone. Yeah, and we really, we had been touring for uh, probably three years solid when the pandemic first hit and we were still on the road. So the, initially stopping was actually quite nice and having a little rest and being able to sort of even think about what we'd just done rather than just rolling. We were actually, I think, probably quite close to burnout because we'd just (laughs) been playing. We said yes to everything from the the moment we landed in Nashville when we moved 
to, to the you know to, to the moment the pandemic hit we just played everything from free yeah. jeans to whatever it was we said yes you know to, to you know the, the larger shows we did later on so but as well we, we made we made a record which was i'm sure we'll get onto. but i think more than that as well it's given us time to actually you know it sounds strange but practice and listen yeah. to music and think more strategically and, and more holistically about what we wanted to make for our third album um, which we haven't really had much of, no. never had the time to, to do so much because we've always been working that it's just kind of everything you write and play is so knee jerk, just kind of comes out and you record it and that's it. But it's been really, really it's valuable. Been nice. Well, I should say for everyone watching that it, you're, you go by Ida May. So that, that's, that's the name of the band. And um, this is your third album. We're going to talk about it. Click, click, domino. A lot of artists tell me that they make an album, they go on a tour, especially a big album for you, one that everyone hears. You go on tour and now you're just touring and you tour so much that when do you stop and actually write new music? <laughs> it's got to be hard. Um, and I know you did a lot of this on the road, at least some of the snippets, and then you went back and, and created some full-length songs from that. Um, but let's go back just a little ways and um, have folks get to know you just a little bit more because you are married and you work still. together. You still, you still like each other after touring for yeah. two years on the road together. Um, how did y'all, how did y'all meet in the beginning? We actually met at university. So college. Um, and we, I was singing and playing uh, on keys on my own. And Chris was doing a similar thing. He was playing all the open mic nights. Um, and I saw him play and thought it was great. And then he, also saw, did you see me play or someone told you? You asked me to play a jazz recital with you. Oh, yeah, you. I did. Mm. So that's how it's I... It's a long time ago now. Yeah. Someone said to me, you know, I was playing all these open mics every night and said, you've got to meet this girl, Stephanie. She's she got this kind of female jazzy blues thing and it's like the female equivalent of what you're, you're kind of doing. So that's how we met and then we formed our first kind of band around that. Yeah, and then we were in a rock band for a long time in Europe touring for a, while. Yeah. For a few years and... Uh, you get to know each other in the back of a, a van touring around Europe for most of your <laughs> 20s. <laughs> so were you actually a couple then or were you just traveling together and buddies? We just became best friends. Yeah, initially, really. no, we were just friends and then we became a couple later on. Yeah, risky business. <laughs> it, that is very risky business, I have to say. I'm glad it worked out for you. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> and I read that both of you liked that older style of music, which wasn't really that common so you probably bonded over loving that sort of older style of music jazz blues whatever it is we did yeah between kind of sister rosetta Tharp. yeah we had a lot in common Ella fitzgerald and then the early blues stuff robert johnson and i was able to introduce steph to a lot of the british kind of rock and roll thing yeah. with zeppelin and, and free, free and all this other stuff that we've been listening to which was a gap in her knowledge and she filled in the jazz side of mine so yeah we did have common interests there what was the name of the rock band that you were in in your 20s? It was called Kill It Kid. Kill It Kid. It was a rock band. Yeah, it's very heavy. <laughs> was, was it uh, all original music or was it covers or what was what were you doing there? It yeah, was. It was all yeah. original. We did three records. We were signed and signed when, when we were 19. So we just kept wow. touring. We in, yeah, babies. Yeah. <laughs> we were so old. <laughs> I'm sure you thought you were old. Everyone does at 19, right? <laughs> so when did you form Ida May? And 
What is the significance of the name Ida Mae? Because it's not based on your names. So what, how did you come up with the name? No, well, the name, well, the first song we learned to sing together was a, was a song called Ida Mae. Uh, it's a Sonny Terry and I think a Lightning Hopkins song. It's an early kind of blues jazz song. And it's a name that pops up a lot in Americana music. I think it was a song that Chuck Berry was going to use as a name. And um, in our previous out, outfit and band, we, we played a lot in Germany and, and Steph has kind of Irish roots. And when we looked up the name, because it was the first song that we sang, we saw that it had kind of German and, and Irish and, and English. And of course, it's used a lot in America. So we thought, well, this is kind of a perfect, I don't know, kind of metaphor for what we love from the British folk side to the early kind of blues and, mm. and American rock and roll. So we kind of absorbed it as our own and we, we just kind of thought it sounded romantic and it's quite yeah. traditional that British bands take on stupid names so <laughs> we, we took a strange name you know <laughs> well I love the fact that Great Britain and, and the US we have these exchanges of music and we almost compel each other forward because we have our traditional styles and you know Britain has its amazing talent and, and rock background and all sorts of other things traditional Irish all those mm-hmm. things that meld together here and we kind of go back and forth across the ocean with our music and you guys have spent some time in nashville right as well yeah yeah we've so lived we, up there for about three years we've lived there yeah. for three years and we'll hopefully be back in july um, as things begin to open up um and we loved it i mean the american also the funny thing about nashville is you go there as a musician you quickly realize that everyone around you even all the waiters are like better harmony singers than you and like <laughs> incredible songwriters and guitar players so it's it's an amazing place to be it really is and it was a bit of a pilgrimage for us as well because that kind of circle of of rock and roll you get between nashville and memphis and you know new orleans is muscle shoals and it's just an incredible opportunity for us to be a little piece of the part of that because like you said we really see you know a lot of uk press says you know you know why are you playing american music which i find you know, really quite a funny question because, I mean, it's so based in European and British, you know, music. I mean, this whole, and it is this incredible... We all came from there. That's where the music came from originally. Kind of, it's the way that Americana um, is this just huge, you know, quilt blanket of ideas that, and we find ourselves kind of seeing ourselves as a small part of that kind of jigsaw puzzle again, which is, you know, because we love you know, Scottish ballad singers and our English folk singers and Steph grew up with a lot of Irish music. And then I discovered, you know, when I was, you know, 15, the White Stripes and the Black Keys, which leads you back to blues. And then you realise, well, hang on a minute, Eric Clapton and the Rolling Stones were listening to the same thing. And you you find yourself in this uh, kind of amazing kind of hierarchy and history of acts that you can go back through and, and literally trace back to the beginnings of recorded music, especially with jazz and blues. You can get to the, you know, the earliest pieces of technology was kept, they were being capturing this music in America and it just becomes completely intoxicating. And especially because we grew up in the UK, the American side is... Yeah, it's very romantic. It's so much more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's always yeah, more interesting on the other side, you know. Yeah, I think that's yeah. always um, the way. <laughs> but the but the U.S. is big, obviously, and so there, there's a room for lots of different kinds of music here. And mm. also, that makes it harder, I think, for artists to break through sometimes because there are more people here. But it also gives you a lot of freedom to do anything that you want to do because you can find an audience for that here. Yes. And you don't yeah. have to be all things to all people. You can be a narrow focus in your music, or you can go from here up to a different kind of music. I mean, I think artists evolve, right? They don't stay exactly where they are. 
Absolutely. And I think there's a very loyal fan base there. I think if you get a good American fan, they'll, they'll, they'll stick with you. <laughs> you know, if they decide they like you, you're in, you know. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Click Click Domino. I love the album and it seems like it's a little bit of an evolution for you guys. It's a little bit different sound. What were you thinking when you were writing the songs and was it based on um, your travels? What was the album based on? It was. I mean, for us, so we were on the road constantly uh, and trying to write was difficult. So it would be tiny moments in hotel rooms or in the, in the back of a car or sound checks where you're trying to write things. Um, but I was very aware that we would have no time really to yeah. write. You know, we wouldn't have the moment with the open window and the grand piano and the ocean outside, and the glass of red wine, you know, waiting for inspiration to strike. We sadly, wouldn't have that time to do it. So we... um. I ended up working with a lot of voice recordings of guitar stuff that I had. And then I was writing a lot of poetry and lyrics inspired by what we'd seen and people we'd spoken to and things we'd heard said and and just ended up kind of collating all of these things in the back of the car as we were traveling literally on the road and, and writing without a guitar, some of it, against these voice notes and the lyrics that I had and piecing it together so that by the time at the beginning of the pandemic, when we stopped to make the album, we had, I think, 18 songs kind of roughly in shape. That hadn't really, we hadn't really sung yeah. or performed, but they were there. So it was a really odd way to make the record because normally you'd be able to take the songs on the road and, and try them on yeah. and see how they fit and you know, play them in front of people. And we weren't able to do that. So it was a, and we self-produced as well partly due to the pandemic so it was a completely different experience start to finish isn't it it's i don't think we'll make well i don't think we'll be able to make a record like the way we did this one because it was just a case of always adapting everything as the pandemic was hitting you know and and initially we were going to record i think a few a few months later we'd set out some time we were going to fly out ethan johns who produced the first record to do the drums and our friend nick peeney to play bass and we were going to rent this place and do like a, a set up a studio in this old mansion and obviously none of that could Pew. happen <laughs> like, <laughs> so, everything goes to hell in a handbasket so, yeah exactly when we got back and we just um firstly we thought maybe we should have a break and then we decided we weren't very good at having a break and we should just plunge straight into <laughs> making the record so we spent all of our pocket money on the best recording equipment we could get half after working with ethan and, and t-bone and people like that We'd, we'd made notes of what we wanted and what we liked. And we ended up just launching into making the record for about six weeks. Mm. We rigged up the whole house. On our and that, own. was that in Nashville or? or Nashville, yeah, Nashville, yeah. Okay. So we had the house to ourselves for the pandemic and we could just, in between people like mowing their lawns and dogs barking, we could manage to record the record. <laughs> we, had, we had some good stuff we, and we had a collection of old guitars and synthesizers yeah. and drum machines that we've gotten together so we were able to really just experiment a lot more than we've been yeah, able to and do have before. more time you know normally in a studio you can afford a certain amount of time but for this we um we were able to explore parts more and soundscapes and that sort of yeah. thing so we tried to capture a lot of that energy and, and the stories of being on the road but also trying to clash the kind of more americana elements of what we do the the resonators and the harmonies alongside more synthetic sounds like some strange synthesizers and, and the drum machines, these old yeah. kind of JJ Kale meets John Martin drum machines and, and see if we can make something a little different. And we're really, really proud of it. There's, there's some heavier moments as well. 
Now, did you guys pick up those instruments on your travels? We did some of them, yeah. yeah. A lot of them we did. We just wanted to, as, as well with those early uh, American instruments, like the Native American uh, drum and also the, the, the little banjo, it's a ukulele banjo we use and stuff. These very early um, kind of American and, 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 you know, folk instruments, really, I guess we wanted to just represent them because we, we'd been working on the land across America and that's how we'd earn our money and it seemed appropriate to incorporate some of that texture and voice into what we were making um so it was it was a challenge but it was a lot of fun i read that that a little bit of jack kerouac is in this album you know the the travels that that you guys had all over the country there was a bit of a voyeuristic feeling when you're not from a place it's a little bit like that when you live here if you live in the south and you go out west you're like oh my god the west this is amazing i i never knew there were no trees someplace you know (laughs) And um, so you have a little bit of that going on even when you live here. But what was one of your favorite places to visit when you were touring or traveling? And Oof, I mean, it is an endless list. We yeah, worked out we've so done many. 43 states we, we've done already in, in those in that first touring our first album, Chasing Lights. I think some of the, my favorite ones are also the ones we don't really remember the name of, you know, the tiny towns that you stop in because you yeah. need to stop for a coffee or something. And we try and go into towns rather than go to a... Um, service station or whatever we try and like look up a little town and see the history and then go in so I think some of those those towns where you go into like a coffee shop and everyone's just living their life in that town and you're there for half an hour and then you leave I love that feeling yeah there's a song Calico coming down which is about that we were driving from LA through the deserts all the way to Colorado Telluride and we ended up Traveling through Grand Junction, I think I think it's in Arizona. Oh yeah, Grand Junction. Uh, well, there's one in Colorado, and uh, right there's yeah, one right near Telluride. I think, and it's near the Arizona yeah. border, right there. Yeah, it's right yeah. by the border. Yes. Yeah, and we hit there at at, um, at sunset when the sun was coming down, and it was prom night, and all these kids were pouring into the streets, and it was just really it was felt amazing. Listening, yeah, it listening. was an incredible like Arizona sunset, and then there was no one around, and suddenly there was like all these girls doing tiktok dances and prom dresses and like people these guys smoking and, and like, it was an amazing moment so that sort of thing but you know was is always nice just to be a small part you know of even like you know st- you know strange little small towns in iowa or something in that morning you just tiny bit of the community for a second and then you're gone mm. it's, it's quite romantic but i mean america in general the geography is just and the landscape and the landscape yeah, is astounding inspiring. Really. so i don't think we could pick one place. <laughs> I always find it interesting when you're traveling across America because there's so much land here that instead of tearing something down and building something there, people just abandon it yeah. in many cases. And you pass by these things and it's just sort of fascinating. You're like, what was this exactly? There's an old sign there and there are all these fascinating things that you pass. And we have another song, Road to Avalon, which is kind of a bit about that. And um, we did a road trip, you know, the old... The route, panhandle, you know, right? Route 66 yeah. and the panhandle and all that. And, you know, all those abandoned whole entire kind of little villages that are still there when they rerouted the highways that are these ghost towns that have been left, which is what I find fascinating. Yeah, you crazy. think of America in the 50s and these burgeoning communities and the center of everything and oil country, and then it's just yeah. gone. It's kind of, yeah, very romantic. <laughs> I was listening to the album, and Click Click Domino, and it's... Uh, the songs change. Each song is very different. 
road to Avalon was, it was beautiful. I mean, I love the imagery, sort of the, the thought that you're traveling. It was a softer, beautiful, kind of melodic song. And that was originally, I guess, the title track. And then you changed it to Click Click Domino, which is an edgier tune. And so what was your rationale there for changing the title and, and picking a different song as the title track? Well, I think Road to Avalon was one we were quite proud of because it, it just kind of came out of nothing and, and the way all the instruments sitted, it was, we were very proud of it. And it felt it. like, it, it feels like to be in a car and it felt like it had felt on Yeah, the think. atmosphere yeah. of the recording of the song felt like some of the ways that we'd felt. But it was more, um, I don't know, Avalon as well because that's rich in, in, um, in, in British and English Celtic. folklore and Celtic mythology. and Little Brian Ferry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's and it's also like the name of cars and uh-huh. stuff and like studio that. Studio gear and and stuff like that. You know, so we were like, mm. and it's you know, and we just thought click click domino sounded cooler and stranger and weirder. And it was very of the moment, the pandemic and everything, and everything that was going on politically and like with just everything. Click click domino just sort of worked as the album title, I think, at that point, didn't it? Yeah, and the song isn't saying a huge amount, but it was a bit of a kind of, you know, uh, kind of written in Twitter statements and weird lyrics and short, sharp and sweet, a bit like some some of the early Beatles stuff. And so we just thought it was a, a cooler, edgier track that people wouldn't expect us to to, to use. I really liked the uh, just the rawness of it. And how we recorded that was fascinating. So me and Steph sang that live in the living room with the electric guitar. We just sang it, just the two of us. And then we shipped off the stems and Ethan Johns recorded drums from his lockdown location in the UK. And then our bass player who was in London tracked to it. And then meanwhile, we had Marcus King come over to the house and he jammed on it. And it sounds like this wild, like we were all in the room together, but in actual fact, it was cut live. All the vocals are live and the guitar is live, but we're all in separate locations around the world yeah. so and it was a bit of a creative choice for us as well that rawness um and the kind of the vocals as they are and it not being too compressed and too heavy is quite yeah. a big creative choice for us because it would have been really easy to cut these songs and that song to a click track and layer up all the guitars and put in a huge riff and auto-tune the vocals and make it even bigger but that's just not what we get a kick out of. So we wanted to keep it that kind of raw, what's going to happen feeling, <laughs> I think is a lot more exciting for a listener personally. So that's part of the reason it sounds so wild, I think. Well, and I think another another song just came out, Learn to Love You Better. There's a video yeah, for that. Hey, yeah. Yeah. So I saw that. And I said, oh, wow, this is perfect timing. I'm talking to you guys <laughs> right on the day that this video is coming out. So what is that song about? Uh, that was the sweeter song. Uh, it was this little mandolinetto, kind of, uh, it's a small flat top mandolin from the uh, late 1800s, built in New Jersey by European immigrants and guitar makers. That, so, Are we point to me? No, no <laughs> over there. So that was, a. am sure East, Eastern Europe is over there. So. Uh, and it's this really interesting little instrument. And again, it's one of these very early sounds of American and, and European music that was totally unique to kind of America really um, and that's the first song I wrote on it was was this Learn yeah. to Love You Better which was ironic because it's probably the the poppiest song it's very cheerful for us on the album um, 
yeah, and it was written about a friend of ours who was in a, a, a romantic relationship that was struggling uh, to do everything they could correctly, um, you know, and make things right and, and just be the best they could. Um, and yeah, that's how the song came out, really. So how do you guys write? How do you do that? I mean, is it is it basically one person starting something off and another person finishing, or is it more of a collaborative effort? How do y'all work as a couple? Definitely, it's mainly Chris that writes, especially lyrically, and then I come up with some... This new record has some piano songs on it that I began, and then Chris works out, but lyrically, and Chris normally works out a song, and then we work out the arrangements and... Yeah, I normally kind of have the song kind of written and then Steph comes in 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 a director kind of form and bosses me around and says, not that this, and, you know, (laughs) as an editor, really. Yeah. Okay, so when you're not writing music, what are you doing? You play tennis together? I mean, inquiring minds want to know. You wouldn't dare play tennis with me. (laughs) She would win. She would win. We tried badminton once. I'm not doing that again. It's just embarrassing for him. Steph's too good at sports. Um, what do we do? No, absolutely nothing. No, we, Chris takes a lot of photographs. I love art. I do a lot of artwork, drawing and painting, and Chris loves photography. And Yeah, so uh, I should say as well, for the new album, there's a photography book that accompanies it. Uh, I took a lot of film cameras, 35mm and large format film cameras on the road, which was really practical. Impractical, yes. <laughs> So we have a load of film photography accompanying the album in, in this book that's now available to pre-order. Mm. Um, which is a, it's over 200 pages of our, our travels that we're writing about on the album in, in a coffee table book. So there's quite a lot of photography we're into. But I mean, really, we just live and breathe music. That's mainly what we yeah, do. Yeah, it takes up a lot of time. And we're trying to piece a studio together. So that's taken up a lot of our time. It's getting all the equipment together and working on that. Mm. Where will people be able to get the book? On our website and everywhere you can buy the vinyl, hopefully the book will be as well. At the minute, there's pre-orders on our website um, and our band camp as well. Um, And then I think we'll just keep it up on the website and take it on the road as well. Yeah, there will be limited numbers. Yeah. Shout out. If anyone (laughs) wants one, get in early. (laughs) Well, of course, we have a small store here right on Main Street called the Vibe and Dime. And we sell the vinyl records for the artists that we feature on the network. And we also sell books that are related to oh, the artists nice. and biographies and all sorts of things. So we'll have to get a, a we'll copy for the, for the store, of course. Absolutely. Let's We'd do love it. That. Actually, there's a few from Memphis as well. Yeah, there's some pictures. So, yeah. yeah, from Memphis. <laughs> well, I love the album. It's just, it's a really great album. I, I am so glad that you guys were able to put it out despite the, the past year and all the craziness. When do you plan on coming back across, uh, visiting us over here again? Very soon. Hopefully in the next few weeks we're playing Peach Fest over there in Scranton and then uh, Newport Folk as well. Um, so we've got some stuff in the books and then a big tour in September. The big one is we're going out with um, on the Outlaw Festival. So we're on a bill with, with w- Willie, Nelson. Willie Nelson, Lucinda Williams, the Avet Brothers, Government Mule. Yeah, that's and in, then, in then September. So us quite first. soon, actually, which is exciting and terrifying because it's been a year and a half. So <laughs> I know. Will it feel a bit surreal to be up on stage looking out and seeing real people? Yeah. yeah. Terrifying. I think it's either going to be that or just feel totally comfortable again. I'm not sure which yet. So Yeah, we'll find out. Well, we wish you the best of luck. We love you guys, obviously. And 
come see us in Memphis when you're back over here. Uh, and love, um, love the album. Can't wait to get a copy of the book as well. And uh, thanks for stopping by. Awesome. Deal. Fantastic. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much for having us. We love Ditty TV. Yeah, we'll be back. Soon. So we, we will be back, back. for a visit. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ida May. Be sure to check out the band's new studio album, Click Click Domino, available now at idamaymusic.com. And remember, you can visit diddytv.com for more exclusive on-demand content and download the official free Diddy TV app from your app store today. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.